Welcome back, everyone, to the 12th episode of the United Bowhunters Missouri podcast. This is Ethan Grother. Uh, tonight, I think that we are sans our co-host, Mr. Ryan Plummer, but we want to give him a shout out anyway. But on the other end of the line is the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with the glorious bow hunting mane, Mr. Darren Haverstick. Howdy. How's it going, Darren? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm great. I'm great. Well, I wanted to get a get a hold of you. You had an interesting, uh, well, you always have a bunch of interesting adventures, but you just recently uh, went just got on back a... back to Mexico, yes. Yep, and you were hunting for Goulds, right? Goulds. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> you guys don't know about what, what a Goulds turkey is. Uh, it looks a lot like a Miriam's. Um, has the white feathers on the tips, uh, wing tips. Um, but they're, I, I didn't know this until I started putting a hunt together. They're the largest of the subspecies. Really? I always thought the Easterns were, but the Goulds are. And it is not uncommon for Goulds to weigh 30 pounds. A really? Weigh 30 pounds. I didn't and know they that. are huge. I mean, when you see, you know, we... The ones that we killed were kind of on the small side. The, the ones that were killed, well, we saw some, and they were—I mean, they were like Turkzilla. And they're they're big, man. Uh, so uh, yeah, that was interesting. Um, they the other thing that's interesting about them is they have hardly any spurs. You'll kill really? a, you'll kill a mature gobbler, and they may have only a bump, like a Jake. And what we were told by our uh, host was they wear them off on the rocks. Uh, it's it's pretty mountainous, rough territory where we were hunting at anyway. And that's yeah. yeah. So I guess that have, makes sense. Yeah. So so um, <clears throat> Goulds only live in Mexico. And in very, very, very southern Arizona. I don't think there's any any other um, populations in any other state other than very southern Arizona. And uh, <clears throat> I think there's a limited number of tags in Arizona, but it's one of them deals that you, know, you probably die before you ever got drawn for one. So if you want to hunt them, most people go to Mexico. Um, there are several outfitters that do them. Jay Scott is a big, big outfitter for mm -hmm. Gould's turkeys. Um, he's he's proud of his hunts. He's they're pretty expensive. In fact, uh, I could kill two birds with the guy I used for the price of one, less than the price of one with Jake Scott. But mm. anyway, uh, <clears throat> so when I when I started to put this hunt together, um, I started looking around and uh, I found this guy. His name's Michael Murray. He's he's in. Uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, El, Cor El Corral Hunting Guide Services, I think is the name of his company. Mm. Anyway, so I called Michael and, uh, you know, did the due diligence, got references, and everybody I talked to was like, oh, yeah, I've hunted with him for 20 years. And he, he does ghouls, he does uh, mule deer, he's got into oscillated turkeys now, um, I'm not sure what else, I think, I think that's mainly it. Uh, anyway, so I booked with him for a hunt in 2022, and uh, me and a buddy of mine, a guy named Greg Poston I used to work with, who is the guy who introduced me to the UBM, 
20. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, he uh, we used to sit in the cubicle together and he got me into bow hunting. And he said, oh, yeah. You, you really need to go to you need to go to the UVM festival with me. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, you need to go with me sometime. So uh, we went to the in 2002. It was the 15th anniversary. So I remember that. So um, anyway, so all you BM members, uh, it's his fault that I'm, <laughs> I'm here. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> so he went. He was going with me. But about two weeks before the hunt last year, Michael called us, called me, and said, uh, "Hey, I hate to do this, but I'm, I have to cancel that hunt." Um, they had a wildfires down there that were burning up the ranch, and mm. he didn't feel comfortable sending us there because they couldn't hunt s certain places, and he we'd have to go to some different new places where they, he didn't know about the bird population, blah blah blah. So, said so that's fine, no problem. So we went ahead and rebooked for this year. So uh, we went down there middle of May, <clears throat> and um, if you've heard the stories about travel, air travel in the past couple of years, it's every bit as bad mm -hmm. as we say. Um, we had a flight uh, from Springfield to Dallas and Dallas to Chihuahua City. When we left Springfield, um, we're waiting to leave Springfield and we can see the skies clouded up. Well, it starts just right when we get on the plane, storm hits. So we're delayed like an hour and a half to get to Dallas. And of course, we miss our connecting flight. So we had to spend the night in Dallas. <laughs> So anyway, we got the got to Chihuahua City. We didn't lose any time because all the other hunters were coming in the next day. So mm. uh, no harm, no foul. We get there. We get picked up. What we didn't know was I was under the impression, I, I swear Michael told me this, that Turkey Camp was only about three and a half hours from the airport. We left the airport at 1.30 in the afternoon, and we didn't pull into Turkey Camp till 9, 9.30 that evening. Oh, man. And we drove over some roads <laughs> that were roads in name only. Yeah. And <clears throat> as I've told many, many people, in Mexico, they have two speeds. They have stop, and they have go. And go yep. as fast as that vehicle can possibly travel. Doesn't they don't care about road conditions? They don't care about traffic. It's just go. We were going up. We were hunting. Uh, our camp was at about seven thousand feet elevation. We were hunting in the mountains around Copper Canyon, which is in the Sierra Madres, and uh, we, we're going up these switchbacks. Some of the switchbacks were paved roads. A lot of them were not paved roads. It was just gravel. Mm. On one side, you have a rock wall. On the other side, you have a scenic view of 1,000 feet straight down, you know, kind of deal. <clears throat> um, they'd pass cars on these blind curves. Uh, it was it was hair-raising. So anyway, so um, <laughs> we, we stopped to eat on the way up to the camp at some pizza joint. And my guts, I mean, I grew up in the Ozarks. I'm used to curvy roads, okay? But I tell everybody, this trip was like if somebody took a jackhammer and mounted it vertically in the back of an old F-150, 
No, mm. F-350, something stiff. And then they strapped you to that jackhammer and turned it on while somebody jumped in the cab, blindfolded, and started driving as fast as they possibly could go. That's what that trip was like for eight hours. Oh, man. I was, I, I thought I was going to puke my guts out. I was <laughs> just vibrated to pieces. And I don't ever get car sick. Man, I was hurting. So anyway, man. so we finally get to camp. And uh, there was five hunters in camp. There was me and my Greg and a husband and wife team from West Virginia. They were uh, Kristen and Justin. They were awesome. And then there was a guy from uh, Conway, Arkansas, Kenneth. Um, he was there. Hmm. So um, the way the hunt was going to work, so we get up the next morning. We have Each one of us had our own guide, <laughs> and we went to wherever they were going to take us to hunt. And I had already, you know, I've been playing this thing for two years, and I had every chance I talked to Michael, I told him, okay, we're bow hunting. We're hunting with stick bows. We need those birds close. We need them in our laps. We need to be hunting in blind. Need those birds on top of us to, to have a good chance to kill them. Okay. <laughs> so first day, first morning, we get up, you know, about 4.30. Um, breakfast was a, was, we had a light breakfast every morning. It was like, fruit and some granola and some yogurt, you know, toast, stuff like that. And then when we come back from the hunt that morning, and then we chow down like hogs. Mm. But uh, so we eat, drink coffee, jump, you know, he pairs us all off <clears throat> and we get in our vehicle. So first morning, it's me and my buddy Greg and uh, Fernando Rodriguez, who was the guy that ran the place and, and Greg's guide, his name was Perez. Perez was an older gentleman. And he was the best guy there. I mean, he, mm. he was awesome. Well, we didn't, you know, weren't really sure what to expect. And Michael had sprung on me like a month before we get ready to leave. He said, hey, are you going to bring decoys? And we're like, uh, wasn't planning on it because you know, decoys take up quite a bit of room. You see, yeah. uh, Why? Well, you know, just I, I mean, they'll have decoys, but you know, I'm thinking. So then that got us all worried. Okay, you know, one of the key elements in theory of bow hunting turkeys is to have a decoy to draw the attention away, so you can draw. Yep. <laughs> so we're scrambling. Okay, what can we? What kind of decoys can we bring? So we're looking at collapsibles and this and that. And finally, when I did a dry run on my uh, packing, I've got a. I've got one of those funky chickens, uh-huh. uh, decoys, you know. Well, they're long and skinny, so I knew I could take it. And I've got a, a DSD uh, breeding hen, which has got that flat bottom. Well, she fit perfectly right in the bottom of my uh, duffel bag. So those are the two decoys I took. So anyway, so back to that first morning, we get in the uh, truck and, you know, it's pitch dark. And we're driving. And my God. I thought the roads were bad getting to where we were going. Going to where we were hunting, they were like 10 times worse. Oh, it's, man. It's, you can't even... It, it's just hard to describe <laughs> what the, how bad those roads were. So anyway, we're bouncing along, jarring along. It's, it's a long drive from camp. And yeah. uh, it's, it's starting to get daylight. <laughs> and Perez... 
Perez stops the, the truck and uh, Robert, or, uh, Fernando, who's my guide, <laughs> and I get out of the truck. I grab my bow, my bag of decoys, and my pack. And I see Fernando grab a chair out of the out of the back of the truck. And we're kind of standing on the side of the road. And I'm kind of looking around. And on one side of the road, it's it's like forest. And on the other side of the road, I can't really see very well, but it kind of looks like it's a little more open ground. So I still I don't have any idea what we're doing. So the truck goes off <clears throat> and Fernando goes to the left side of the road where it's more forest. And I said to him, I said, uh, so is my chair in the blind? And he says, oh, no, no blind. Oh. And I go, what do you mean, no blind? Well, just, yeah, just, you'll just, uh, you know, hide up in this brush. And I immediately got pissed. And I was like, look, I'm hunting with a, this recurve. I need those birds right here, right mm. in front of me. You know? But I'm like, well, you know, this is the hand I'm dealt. I'll make the best of it. Yep. So I'm looking around, and where we're at is this dry pond, okay? This pond bed, and it's kind of it's kind of like two ponds. There's a pond bed, and then there's the there's a dam, and then there's another smaller pond on the other side. Both of them are dry, and there's just woods all around it. And all of a sudden, we start hearing a bird bird gobble, a couple birds gobble, on the other side of the road. So I'm looking around and he and I said, well, so where do the birds even come from? And he says, well, they come out of the woods on that side of the pond and they go right, they'll go right across that pond bed. I said, okay. Hmm. So I'm looking around and up on the, on, so if I'm looking at the pond on the right side of the pond, there's kind of a hill that's that, the bank for that pond or that side. And up all about 10 yards off of it's a pine tree about, oh, I don't know. In, uh, 18 inches diameter and there's a little bit of brush there and I'm like okay well that's that's my hidey hole and I'll put my decoys down in the pond and we'll hope for the best that's all you know that's all I can do <clears throat> so again we're hearing I'm hearing a couple birds gobbling so he Fernando gets behind me he's behind me about I don't know 15 yards or so and uh, we start calling and uh, there's one bird across the road, and he's he's answering about every time we uh, we call, and uh, I can tell he's coming closer. So now I'm looking at my setup. I'm like, well, this, you know, I'm not in the right, I'm not in a good spot here for if the birds come from that direction. I'm, I'm on the wrong side of this tree, so I'm looking around, and on this that dividing dam between the two ponds. There's a, there's a little cedar tree. I'm like, well, that's where I need to be, right there behind that cedar. He'll mm. come right to me, and I'll, I'll be able to thump him. So I start gathering up my stuff, and I'm, I mean, I'm just ready to stand up at about that time. Blah, blah, blah. There's bird gobbles about 25 yards from me, just outside oh. of that far pond. So I'm like, shit. So I sit down, and you know, hunker down. I got my got my own. I I just putted to him a couple times. Well, boy, he gobbled hard, and I could and I could hear him. And I I couldn't see him real well, but he walks and he walks up on the hill behind me, and he, the bird's not ten feet from me, and I'm hunkered up against this tree, 
and he's back there, and I can hear him walking around. He's spitting and he's drumming, you know. And he's and at first I think he's going to walk behind me, right between me and Fernando. But I'm thinking, no. He see, I know he's got to see my decoys. Hell, they're right there. But pretty soon he turns, and I see him walk. And that I'm on this the left side of the tree. That bird walks right on the right side of the tree. I could have probably reached out and grabbed him by the neck. He's oh wow, close. full strut. He starts down into that pond. Okay, as soon as he goes past me, he's in full strut. I draw my bow. I got my little short Mariah recurve from Mike Dunaway. He's down there in full strut, seven yards. I take. I got all the time in the world. Take my time. I pick my spot. Let go of the arrow. I could not have hit him any better. They always, uh, you know, well, you know, there's, there's like three school thoughts about killing birds. Yeah. Bow. The headshot, sure kill. And then there's the big debate between the wing butt and leg bones. the legs to break them down. <clears throat> well, I chose the wing butt because he's quartering away from me. Yeah, that's what I've always done. And I hit him, I mean, perfect. So now I'm expecting this bird to, to immediately just, you know, roll over, go to flop, and I'll get grab another air if I need to put one in. No. Instead, the bird runs off with 90% of my arrow. Oh, man. I got, I got no penetration. I mean, nothing. I don't know. I, I guess I hit, you know, if I'd missed an inch in any direction, I would kill that bird dead. But I guess I hit that knot of gristle and bone where the wing hook's yep. on, you know, right there. Yeah. Anyway, so he runs out of, he runs across the out of the pond. And I see my arrow hanging out from under his wing. I mean, I'm looking, I'm just, in, I'm just flabbergasted. Like, I hit him perfect. Yeah. And he runs across the road. And when he runs across the road, he starts flying. Well, as he's running, Fernando gets up and he runs across the road so he can, you know, he can see where the bird goes. <clears throat> so bird takes off. I get up and I go meet Fernando. And, uh, and Fernando, he's just like, man, that was the coolest hunt. That was the coolest thing I ever saw, man. That's real hunting. You're no blind, no nothing, you know, and you can call him in. And I'm like, yeah, but I still haven't got my bird yet. So it's not cool yet. Yeah. So he said, I, I he said, let's just give him some time. I said, okay. Well, on that side of the road, what I thought was open area, it is sort of open area, but it's it's solid granite as far as the eye can see. It's oh, wow. Granite, willow scrub trees. And a whole lot of agave cactus. And at the very far, that'd be the east end of that, it drops off. There's like, I mean, almost like a cliff. And there's some trees down there. And I knew if the bird made it that far, that's where he'd be. <clears throat> so I went back to where I shot him and, you know, just gathering up my stuff and seeing if there's any blood or whatever. Fernando's out looking for him. And I, so I go out and I, I'm at. Are you there? I don't know what happened there. I don't know. Yeah, so anyway, so uh, I holler for Fernando, and he doesn't answer, and I'm thinking, well, maybe he sees the bird, and he doesn't want to spook the what? By an hour goes by, and finally we meet back up. And he tells me he did see the bird. Uh, still had my arrow in him, and he was going to shoot him with his shotgun. They all had shotguns they carried. Uh -huh. And a cow... <laughs> 
came oh, up in, in the middle of the desert. The cow comes off a hill, spooks the bird, bird flies off. So that was that was uh, my big, uh, you know, went from hero to zero pretty quick. But uh, yeah, if he's flying, he's all right. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't hurt. <laughs> so at least I'm thinking. Well, you know, that's a pretty good sign. You know, we got bird first day, your first elk within the first twenty minutes of hunting. So uh, anyway, later on we get ready to go back to to camp. Uh, my buddy, he he uh, had a bird come in, and he was in a blind. And I guess when he went to shoot, uh, his limb he he hadn't let go yet, but his limb smacked the top of the blind, made some noise, spooked the bird, and the bird he he wasn't able to get a good shot at him. Oh, uh, okay. So we were feeling good. Right? You know, we're seeing birds and whatnot. Well, then it just kind of dried up. Uh, mm. At least for me, I. Uh, I saw one other, well, I saw two or three gobblers. I only had one other opportunity. I was in a blind, and uh, they, they like to hunt around these these feeders, which I wasn't crazy about, because I thought it was going to be more, you know, calling birds in. Yeah. But uh, they <laughs> we found out that the, the group that was in the week before us at that camp, they killed eight birds. Oh, yeah. So... You know, eight gobblers out of a place, that's a lot of birds. Yeah. So you're getting the leftovers that were already, had already been hunted. So they're pretty wary, you know, I guess. But anyway, yeah. so I had duty and I took a shot at him. And as soon as I let go of the arrow, it, it came out of my bow all cattywampus. I don't know if I had bow or limb, uh, blind contact or arrow blind contact or what i don't know what happened but mm. you know as soon as i let go of the arrow it just went zigzagging yeah. instead did, of going straight and landing right at his feet and uh did they give you some decent blinds out there or was it well not not for uh stick bow hunting. not for a stick bow. that's what i was kind of wondering yeah and the chairs were abysmal mm. um i tried to bring my own chair my i was going to bring my own chama chair which would have been perfect but since I had to bring decoys, I didn't have room, so I yeah. left the chair behind. Myself. Well, of course, we're on these little three-legged stools, and you're about this high. You know, you're only 18 inches off the ground if you're that high, and and uh, <clears throat> you had to work to get limb, you know, arrow clearance out of the, the blind windows. There were some old, I don't know what they were, some Maristit. I think some of them were Maristit. They were a mixture. Okay, so yeah, definitely um, one of those shorter. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know if you guys, if you've never hunted in Mexico, um, first of all, <laughs> guns are, are a big no-no. Yes. The common man in Mexico does not own a gun. He does. You're not allowed to have a gun. Um, you can't just go to Pedro's Ammo down the street and buy a box of twelve gauge yeah. shells. Yeah. Our northern all neighbors shells, are about to be the same. <laughs> what, what yeah the uh all the all the guns they had you know they tell you don't don't bring your own gun we guns well you don't really know what you're going to get these guns have seen better days <laughs> and the shells they just bring out like a box they'll bring out a handful of shells and there may be seven and a half eights for dumb oh my hunting. goodness there may be some some fours 
you maybe some twos you need you maybe you know if someone handed you if they would have handed you a buck uh, some buckshot i wouldn't have been surprised yeah. and all those shells are from hunters who came and brought their own guns and shells and just left the shells there they're leftovers it's like they can't go buy their own mm. so that's kind of that's kind of strange well at least there's um, probably not a regulation about no shot larger than four no i don't know that i don't think there's any break I don't think there's much of a regulations about anything as far as <laughs> when to hunt or how to hunt or anything like that. But uh, anyway, it was a it was a fun hunt. We didn't we didn't hear near as many birds as we'd like or we thought we would hear. Yeah. I mean, every day we saw a ton of hens and jakes, but gobblers are kind of in short supply. But uh, the food was was fantastic. Yeah, so we had four there were four girls there that worked in the kitchen we're in this cabin and uh if they weren't feeding you they were taking dishes away to get you more food mm. and man we you just ate and ate and ate yeah and you sit there and all no, no i can't eat him and then they'd bring something else out well, well i better try that we had two different days we had homemade pork rinds for a snack in the afternoon Nice. I, I love of course hot sauces everywhere so you had all kinds of hot sauce yeah on this the one day they took the leftover pork rinds and they made some kind of dish out of it with some kind of green sauce that we had for supper that night which i thought was really good some people didn't care for it but i, I thought it was really good um but we uh it, the food was great the, and everybody was really nice uh you know all the the, the guides everybody was helpful they were very cheerful happy you know it was they were fun to be around they wanted you to succeed um <laughs> the one problem i had with my guide i had fernando all the whole time yeah and uh, the only electricity we had in the at the cabin was with the generator <clears throat> well mm. i came to find out fernando needed a cpap machine well he oh really yeah, well, he can't have a, you know, he couldn't run a CPAP on a generator, and he didn't have a battery, so we had to do without. So he wasn't getting much sleep. So we go out and hunt, and like I'd be in a blind, and he'd be sitting against a tree behind me outside somewhere. Well, it wouldn't be, we wouldn't be there 50 minutes, and he'd be snoring. And I mean, not just a little bit of snoring, mm. a whole lot of snoring. I'd have, twice I had to get out of the blind and say, Fernando. What you're snoring, man. You're gonna scare the turkeys. <laughs> well, I was awake. I don't know if you're I don't care if you're awake or not. You were snoring. No, don't don't do that. Because it was one time, two, no, two or three times. I had hens and, and jakes in front of me, and I'm watching them, I'm filming, taking pictures, you know. And oh Fernando's back there sawing logs and he he'd snort real loud. Well, then turkeys would throw their heads up, they'd look around <laughs> and they go back down. Pecking on the ground, you know. Yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, in that situation, did they, did they charge you for the, I guess, did they, were they going to make you pay for a second bird? No, that this is, okay. So, again, they're very liberal. Yes. Most, yeah. most places, you you pay, you pay for your first bird. That's that's included in the in whatever your set hunt price was, Okay. Um, 
if you wanted a second bird, a lot of venues make you pay for that bird up front. Oh, okay. Some will say some will say you only have to pay if you want your second bird, buy it at the at where you're at. You know, give the give the person the money and then you get your second tag. Fernando was like, if you kill your first bird, yeah, great, go hunt. And if you kill your don't you don't have to pay for your second bird unless you kill it, which was unheard nice. of. Yeah, that's Talk very about nice. A great deal. I mean, you can't beat a deal like that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, just to kind of put it in perspective, uh I think Jay Scott is now is for a single bird. Uh most most Gould's hunts are four or five days. I think four usually. I think his hunts are right three thousand dollars. Yeah. For four days, one bird. If you want yeah. a second bird, I think it's another thousand dollars. Okay. With Michael, it was eighteen fifty for one bird. You want That's not bird. bad at all. You want another bird, it's only seven hundred and fifty dollars. So again, okay. you got less money. In two birds, then you have a one bird, Jay Scott. Yeah. Um, quality of hunting, I couldn't tell you. I don't. Yeah, I, I was gonna say you might have you might have gotten a little bit of what you paid <laughs> yeah, for, but yeah, I'm yeah. I'm always of the opinion I'd rather have the good old boy that knows where the animals are than. Yeah, the, and, and you know everybody had an opportunity to kill one, so you know I can't say that it, you know I got skunked. You know yeah. it just didn't work out for me. You know I, you know. It's the way, you know, that's hunting. That's the way it goes. I mean, I wasn't mad about it. It's just, that's the way it goes. Yeah, that deal. So did you find that they were kind of like, uh, I can't remember. I think you've told me you hunted Miriam's one time. Um, yeah. Right. Did you find, were they kind of more similar in their behavior? You know, at a Miriam, I don't want to call them dumb to They're insult the turkey. They're not wary. They're not like no. an Easter. That's what I'm trying to say. No. So that um, you were able to draw and, and do what you need to do. Well, yeah, in fact, uh, my buddy Greg, the day, okay, so my buddy Greg did kill him with his bow on the third day, second or third day. And after my fiasco, we both talked and we we're like, we're going to shoot him above the legs. And that's what he did. And he got his bird. So anyway, the next day, his guy Perez was like, okay, tomorrow, no blind. I'm going to, and he built a little. He built a little ground blind, you know, cut some cedar boughs down and lashed them to a tree or something. Anyways, a yeah. natural kind of. Well, Greg, they he had a Tom and, a, and two or three Jakes come in. Greg had a lot of opportunities and uh, he got the draw on the on the. The uh, gobbler. But his again, he had some kind of a uh, his bow hit the limb of the one of the limbs that he was hiding behind or something made some noise and the gobbler spooked and got away. Oh. But he said, he, he said just the fact that he got to draw on this bird, the way it was coming in, he said, you'd never done that on an Eastern. No. There would have been absolutely no, because yeah. when we're talking, you know, less than 10 yards, these birds. Yeah. Are so, yeah, I always, you know, I've told this story, about the Miriam's first two <laughs> I ever killed the first one I actually shot on the public land next to the restroom. Um, it was a weird deal. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And the funny part of that story was I got out. I actually had to fish for my bow. They're strutting right right there. Oh. It just felt so weird. I thought this can't be real. I shot the strutter. He drops right where he was. And 
turn around and there were gobblers closer. When I go over to get the strutter, he was a Jake. I went, you got to be kidding me. Um, and then the second one I shot on that trip in Nebraska, my compadre shot at twice the same group. And I was backed off away calling for him. And I finally shot one. And on the third, second miss, they gobbled when the arrow hit at their feet. So I was just like, this is not, this is not how our birds are. And my experience in Montana with the Rio Merriam's hybrid was kind of the same was, you know, it's, it's fun to kill turkeys. I feel like we've all experienced Eastern and the heartache and you don't feel lick bad at all when you get an easy hunt, you know, with turkeys. But uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't exactly. know if Goulds exactly. were going to be, cause I knew uh, I've been watching some of the oscillated turkeys. It didn't seem like they were as, they're not like a Miriam's but it didn't look like they're as bad as an Eastern or are they? Uh, they're, they are 10 times worse. Are they? Okay. They're like, they're like an Easter, an oscillate is like an Eastern on steroids. Okay. Yeah, my guide, when I was hunting, when I was hunting those, my guide yelled at me, we're walking, we're getting, going to the blind and there's this red, this red dust was everywhere. And okay. I was clearing my throat and I kept, yeah. he, go, he kept saying, shh, shh, you can't, no, no, no. And when we hunted him in that blind, you had one little window to shoot out of. Wow. And he, you, you know, he was, and he was like, don't move, don't make a sound. When we hunted those goulds, it was like every window open. Yeah. I've got my, well, I have my bow and my arrow sticking out the window waiting to get a shot. Yep. That, that gobbler that I got the wampa shot. And I mean, the arrow, it's obvious the arrow keeps going in and out of the blind because I'm like, nope, no. Nah let down that oh, let down they couldn't have cared less my buddy that shot hit that killed his bird i have to tell us on him he shot at three times um <laughs> he uh it was it was over by by this tree and he goes i knew it and he goes i'm concentrating and concentrating keep thinking i'm gonna hit that tree first arrow stuck it right in that tree he said bird just kind of looks around he goes so now i'm now i'm getting now I'm getting excited. So I grab another arrow and I, I rush a shot and I shoot right at his feet. He goes, Bird's still there. He's still looking around. He goes, All right, Greg, calm down, calm down, calm down. He goes, That, you know, shot him. This time I shot him, I hit him good. Of course, uh, his guide, even though Perez didn't speak good English, he he knew enough to uh, tease him a lot <laughs> with pantomimes going, Turkey, shoot, oh, dang, shoot, oh, dang. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Now was he using a stick bow on that hunt? Yeah, he had a he had a Mariah that uh Okay, uh, awesome. Mike made for him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, That's pretty awesome. But are so yeah, are you gonna was, try this again, Darren? Is that the Well, you know, <clears throat> I I'd like to go back down there. I, I mean I like the country. The, the country is beautiful. People were nice. Um the travel was not so good, but uh you know, I, I wouldn't mind going back and do it again. Yeah, but yeah. I got you know I got a moose hunt coming up, so I'm, I'm yes, kind of focusing yeah. on that. Yeah, you world class hunters <laughs> going all over. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna talk to you about that, but uh, I had a funny. Well, I don't even know if I should say this, but uh, I went on a trip a couple weekends ago to Oklahoma, and I'm not gonna call it a hunt. It was one of those deals with hogs, and I'm just no, gonna leave okay, it at that. Yeah. And my, a buddy of mine paid for it, invited me along. And, and, uh, it was one of those things. They're feral hogs, but they've been released into a place, yeah. you know? And, and, uh, so I'll clarify for the whole world to know it was not a hunt. And so, but these, these critters ended up 
being almost like they were on meth because they'd been so pressured. <laughs> they'd come running out and the, the heifer at the property next door would bellow and they'd run off in the woods. And then they'd come out and the train whistle would blow and they'd run off. In the, I mean, this was out in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma, but just normal noises had these things on edge. And I had a nice, I had a nice board uh, come in and I had a, uh, the guy had just a simple thing. He's like, you can shoot three of them, but um, you know, obviously if you hit one, you know, that counts, blah, 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 blah. I had this boar come out and he was broadside and, and uh, the guy set me up way longer than you would want to shoot to. And he goes, well, this is the blind I want you to set at. I'm like, I don't know. And it, it, it was the compound. But as soon as I released that arrow, that pig acted like he definitely was on meth and turned. <laughs> and I smacked that poor thing right at the top. You know, if you've ever seen a hog skull, they have that yep. point. So it's not even near their brain. It just stuck right there and broke the arrow off. And I went, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. And, and uh, so anyway, when you're talking about your buddies being pretty generous, I thought, and then later that night, to me, it was just, I felt stupid for even trying the shot. And so later that night I shot one with a rifle and cause again, this wasn't a hunt. It's like, we just came here to shoot pork, you know? Yeah. Just shoot pig. And so, uh, so I shot one and then, so I'm doing them tally in my head. So I walk up and I tell the guy, well, an hour later, that pig ends up across the property feeding in front of my buddy. With the just, arrow sticking out? With, with just a, you could <laughs> see I'd hit where I'd hit him. And there he is. So I, I said something to the guy and he goes, it's okay. We're not going to count it. <laughs> but anyway, I thought, sorry, I just thought of that one. Because yeah. I thought, man, if, I, if that was like a legitimate hunt, you know, you hear about these bear hunts, you hear about, you know, and, and the guy, you know, a lot of them, but some people are pretty rough. And I understand why they are rough on hunters because oh, they, sure. they don't want to promote. That's their, that's their resource for an income. Yeah. But um yeah I was, I was just curious how that how that would go for you but. yeah he was uh i mean they're very very liberal about you know uh you know he, he when i shot that bird it got away he didn't even act he, he wouldn't act like it was that big of a deal yeah. you know yeah if he flew he was fine so yeah but and then uh, uh Kristen, the wife of the husband wife team she uh missed uh Turkzilla. He was a monster. Really? Her husband had it all on film, including the miss. Oh, um, man. They're hunting with shotgun. And I mean, the bird's coming in and he is a monster. And she just got rattled and shot way in front of him. <clears throat> I don't know what she was looking at when she, she pulled the trigger, but I mm. mean, didn't touch a feather on that bird, you know. Of course, oh, man. you know, her husband, he didn't, he wouldn't tease her about that or anything, you know. <laughs> She she took it all stride, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine that. Uh, Kenneth, he killed a he killed the biggest bird. It wasn't very big, but it had a head on it about like a softball. It was a I mean, really a huge head. Hell, oh, it was enormous. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we didn't kill anything. It weighed over twenty pounds, which we I thought was kind of odd. And the other yeah. thing that's interesting is every bird had beard rot. Every single one of them. Interesting. I could see that, that mountainous, you know, they just got cold. Huh. See, I didn't know about the spurs because uh, all the Miriams I've hunted too. Uh, I've only shot one that had what you'd call spurs and my other other three birds. Of course, one was a Jake, but I shot one Tom was just solid flat, <coughs> yep, but had yep, a full yep. on nine, 10 inch beard. And another one I shot had one nub on one leg and flat on the other. So, um, 
that's interesting how and then of course the the birds in the yucatan had those monsters yeah then they oscillate yeah where an average bird weighs 10 pounds has got two inch spurs on so yeah. yeah all shapes and sizes i guess so yeah yeah so, but i'd do the hunt again it was fun i mean i enjoyed it it was it's always interesting i find it interesting to go to a different country and whatnot so yeah for sure that's the adventure you know so yep. well i was gonna talk to you we got a little time if you got time um but i was i realized i think on our last uh talk we didn't really talk about moose did we we just talked about your you can't yucatan turkey and how you got to yeah. the UM and and uh but you're coming up uh you kind of incited me this morning to have a podcast because you showed us that brand new really beautiful <laughs> uh mike dunaway yeah mike dunaway though. special yeah. And uh you I would it would it be safe to say that moose have become to you kind of like what bears are to me? They're your I man, I love to moose hunt. Yeah. I, I just the animal itself is just they're just so cool. I mean they're they're huge is the neatest thing about them. Yeah. And I've never eaten a better game animal. Never. Hands That's down. That's what everyone says. It's just fantastic. I love moose. And you get a lot of it. You know, it's not like a turkey where you go, well, kind of got to portion this out, you know, and uh, moose, you go, I just keep eating it, just keep eating it. Yeah. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going back with my, uh, the outfitter that I used in Alberta when I killed my moose. Okay. Uh, going with him again. Um, he, all he takes, all he takes is bow hunters. He only has one camp a year. All his guides are bow hunters. All his guides bow hunt for moose so you've got you know he he's got it all he he uh he has prime habitat to hunt in lots of moose good bulls uh his guides know the land backwards and forwards they know what they're doing they know how to call they know how to set you up i mean and generally <clears throat> he takes usually like eight hunters a year eight really nine. And and he generally he does 75-80%. And that's with bows. Wow. Success rate. So uh it's that's pretty good deal. And the last couple, three years, I think three years running now, he's killed they've had uh at least one 50 plus inch moose. Wow. Which yeah. Is, that's I mean for Canada. Yes. Or, that part of Canada is unheard of because those are still uh, Canadian moose. They're not Yukons. They're not or, or half breeds with Canadians. I mean, those yeah, are yeah. straight Canadian moose. And uh, you know, a forty inch is good is a good moose. Yes, yeah. Fifty's pretty pretty rare. And, and they've killed uh, two years ago. They killed two. One was a fifty two. One was a fifty four. And then last year they killed a fifty one. It was they just killed one. I think it was like wow. fifty six. Wow. I yeah. mean, you start, you break 60, you're talking a monster even with Alaskans. So, yeah. Yukon, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm happy if it's got just one horn on one side. Yeah. It's legal. That's for me. I don't yeah. Care. I was going to say, I would not be. I, I tell all my yeah, friends. The, you know, the moose I killed up there, he, he was a, he was young. He'd be like a, uh, a fork horn. You know, and uh, whitetail. You know, yeah. a lot of people pass on him. 
And my guy, he was young. He was a meat bull, young, young bull, probably 18 months old. And yep. my guide says, it's a young bull. And I couldn't see it yet. I couldn't see its head. And he goes, it's a young bull. Do you want to, do you want to shoot it? And I said, is it legal? He goes, yeah. I go, well, hell yeah, I want to shoot it. What? <laughs> That's what I came up here for. But yep. there's a lot of people that'll pass. Uh, when I talked to Rick Fisher, who's my outfitter, when I talked to him last year, he's like, yeah, we only killed that one big moose. He goes, but, you know, they had some really bad weather. They had uh, two things. It was very, very hot, so the bulls weren't moving. And it was very, very dry, so you couldn't sneak up on it. Oh, yeah. Tough. But he said, you know, there's a lot of people had opportunities and a lot of there were several people that passed on moose. And I'm like, why would you spend all that money? And then just go, nah, I don't want to shoot that. Yeah. Yes, they don't eat them, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know why you would do that, but it ain't going to be me. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I'd rather, you know, and people, uh, well, we had a conversation. I can't, me and Ryan with somebody recently. It's like to each his own. Everyone has their own decisions to yeah, make about what they do in their hunt. You might be the guy. I've always respected you. You've always been the guy that says, I'm not grabbing a rifle, even if you have one in camp, because that was your premeditated goal. This is how I'm doing it. And uh, I think that's really awesome. But for other guys, you got to go, hey, I spent all this money. It's probably be yep. the only time I ever do this. Yep. And I'm I'm that guy. It's just like, you know, I might, depending on the hunt, I might have a limitation on weapons. But I'm usually not ever going to be a trophy hunter because I would rather, <laughs> it's not about killing. It's about the experience of really the meat, the experience yep. of looking at that animal and admiring it and, and of course the taxidermist and me it doesn't matter if i went out there and i shot a, <laughs> a bullwinkle i'd probably still shoulder mount it just because i've got that memory of looking at that animal sitting on the ground and and uh you know so you know it's uh it's neat uh you know everybody's got to make that decision for themselves but i'm the same way it's like man i don't care how much i spent i don't care if they tell me there's a 70 inch bull around the corner that we have a 20 percent odds of if the one you yeah. shot is standing in front of me at seven yards i'm <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but and I think and, that's your thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, what was what bow did you use on that that first hunt? Uh, that I used a, a bow that uh, Don Oral made me. Uh, okay, a, a takedown. In fact, I think it might have been. I think it was like the second maybe takedown he made using really? the uh, you know like the big gym. Everybody uses it now. The the uh, socket or the yeah you know sleeve thing. And, so it was kind of a uh, moderate. He was, watching, he was watching the YouTube videos of Big Jim to make my <laughs> bow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of the mild reflex deflex. Yeah, fifty-eight inch. It was a fifty-eight inch uh, uh, bow that uh, he uh, I had. Uh, Tony, his wife, she does that laser. She has that laser engraver. Uh -huh. She laser engraved a moose head on it. And, yeah. Uh, it was a good bow. Worked out well for me, you know. Yeah. So, in fact, I killed. Uh, that was the that was in 2015. Okay. And that spring, I had killed my first and only uh, eastern gobbler that spring with that bow. Really. And that fall, I killed a moose, and I tell everybody to this day, of the two trophies, the eastern was the biggest to me because that's the one I had worked the longest for you know i mean me and turkeys have 
went a long ways and I, I earned that dude, you know? Yep. So, yep. I have two animals that I always joke. You'll hear me screaming from Springfield. If I ever kill an, an Eastern bird with a traditional bow. And if I ever kill an antelope with a traditional bow, because of where I hunt and then we don't yep. get to set the blinds up way ahead of time. <laughs> so it's, it would be quite a feat if I were to pull that off. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What's interesting is I think I've built bows off that design. Um, oh, yeah. Donna rail with that if you were shooting a 58 incher and and uh, yep. those are fast bows yeah it, it shot well yeah it was a good bow i liked it yeah but uh now i've i've wore all my other bows out so i had to get a new one for mine yeah yeah, yeah he can't shoot those other ones they're you all kill, you know you kill one animal with them it's like they just go to pieces or something and it's like well well they're ruined that. you know yeah they're ruined. just ruined <laughs> runt yeah <laughs> well so let me tell you let me tell you a story about that bow and Mike. So okay. I've already told everybody before I went to the, the festival, I was not buying a bow. I didn't need a bow. I had I had a the the destiny, the long bow I currently had of Mike's that I was shooting at the time. Yeah. I hadn't killed anything with it yet. So I didn't see it. There was there was no reason. My wife's over saying bad things about me. Yeah, I was uh, wondering about, you know, talking about these bows right here. But yeah, so so uh you know, I said no. I don't need a bow. There's no reason for me to buy a bow. So then I get there and I and I tried, I'd hand it to Mike to make sure and leave his pretty bows behind. Don't, you know, just bring the ugly ones. Yeah. That's well, good for business. Listen. Yeah, he didn't listen. And so I'm over talking, visiting with him and him and Susie. And he had uh he had like four of these four bows, different models with that spalted tamarind on the yeah. lid. And boy, I looked at that. And boy, that's pretty, you know. And it, 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 Mike's a fisherman, you know, so he sees me nibbling, and he's he's working me, he's working me. And yep. So I started asking questions about it, and he goes, "Well, well, what riser wood do you think would go with that?" You know, I'm like, "Well, I don't know." Well, here, let me show you some options. And yeah, the next thing I know, I'm sitting down there signing a contract with him. You know, so man, he, he played he played me well. So. I got a new bow out of the deal. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so is that, uh, is that the same poundage you were shooting on the first? Uh, it's a, this one is 54 pounds at 28 inches. Um, Don's was, is 55 at 28. Okay. Inches. Yeah. Basically yeah. What a, you know? Same thing. Yeah. Only, you got, you, this, you got a pass through on the first one, right? What's that? You got a pass through. No, um, <laughs> I hit the offside. I think I hit a rib on the offside. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Because I didn't get a pass through. But, you know, unlike whitetails and gray squirrels, it seems like all the other animals kind of give it up pretty easy. I mean, my yeah. caribou, that caribou died like that. Moose died like that. Um, I shot that moose and he went crashing through the brush and we're, we, we're hearing him, you know, you can hear him walking around in the brush. And my my guide, Eric, he, right on cue, he says, listen for the cough. And about that time, that moose goes, <coughs> mm. and, and he goes, that's a dead moose. Man. And we can hear him walking. And then, you know, we heard him fall down. And we're kind of just kind of coursing it. And thinking, well, he's about, you know, from where we're at, he's about maybe 100 150 yards like at our two o'clock position you know and 
Yeah. Well, then finding him was a whole other deal. I mean, once you step off these those cut lines, yeah, that stuff, you know, you bear you bear hunted in Ontario. You know exactly what I mean. It's it's impenetrable. You can't. You step off those roads and you don't know. You don't know where you're. At. You don't have a clue. I mean, it's, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know how people find critters in places like that sometimes. Well, mine was found just by pure luck. We we uh, blood trailed him for a good long ways, and uh, then we couldn't find any blood. And it's it's in the afternoon, so we're kind of concerned about dark. So Eric's Eric says, "Well, this is what I'll do." He goes, "I'm going to go back to where we where he shot." Because our packs were back there anyway. <laughs> he said, I'll get my pack and my knife and I'll holler at you. And that way you, we can course, you know, if how far we are from where we think the, the moose is at. So I said, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. So I'm standing there. Now, this is interesting. We're in the middle of the bush in Alberta and we get you get a cell phone signal everywhere down there, out there. I don't know how. Really? So... I'm on the phone talking to my dad. Yeah, I just shot a moose, you know. Yeah, we're waiting to find, you know, call some other people, this, that, and the other. And uh, again, so I'm standing there, and Eric takes off, like I said, like maybe like a two o'clock direction. He's going to back to the spot where I shot the moose. So I'm there standing around 15, 20 minutes. All of a sudden, Eric goes, Darren, I found your moose. Except he's at my 10 o'clock position now. And I'm thinking, how in the hell did he get back to the stand, get his stuff, and get on the trail? I don't, how did he, I, you know, again, I don't care. He's found my moose. Yeah. So I go buck brush. I'm tearing through this stuff to try to get to him, you know, and he's hollering. And I'm, I'm going to him. And I walk up to him, and there he is. And moose is laying there. <laughs> and I ask him, I said, how did he goes, well, I'll tell you the truth. Darren, he goes, I got lost, <laughs> which is not what you want to hear a guy oh, say. Oh, man. He says, he goes, and I just walked up on your moose. And I'm not talking like walking through the woods and see it land there. I just walked, and there it was. I'm like, well, I don't care. You know, moose is here. So, yeah. Uh, we immediately started. Then then he did go back to the stand to get his pack so he could start, you know, cutting it up, putting it in bags and whatnot. And uh, we had to call back to camp to to Dan Novotny and uh, the other guy, Ken Madsen, to bring the four-wheelers down so we could haul everything back out. So, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize Dan was on that hunt. Yeah, yeah, me and Dan went. Um, <clears throat> there's a very funny story. I'll tell this, and we can, then we can quit, but this is a great story. The night, <laughs> I, almost, the night I almost set Dan on fire. So, oh, okay. Um, the weather was pretty calm, and, and it was kind of warm for the first four days of that hunt and then we had a front come through and i the day the front was coming through i mean the wind was just howling i mean you know like 50 mile an hour wind it was just mm. okay well we're in we're in these wall tents all right with tarps over them you know and uh each of the sleeping there was a tent for me and dan a tent for the two guides and there was a uh, tent for the gear and then there was a kit the cook tent <clears throat> okay so uh we had had a little wood stove in our tent to keep us warm well that wind's howling and the temperature just dropped okay 
So that night we're getting ready to go to bed and we, we kind of built a little, you know, got a little fire going in there and uh, hoping that, it, you know, that wood, uh, you know, everything's a conifer or some kind of, there's yep, no good yep. oak set of fire, you know, so yeah, it's either just... you, know, you got this enormous fire, you don't have anything. And you got to so, keep feeding it. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I got stuff in there and I got the sh stove shut down thinking, okay, you know, this is going to be about right. Well, so we go to bed. And we wake up, I don't know how many hours later, not too long, two, three hours. And the, the entire tent is just filled with smoke. Okay. <laughs> it just, I mean, it's, it's just, it, it just filled. Well, there was a leak in the stove, I guess. And the, we had, it, I had it shut down too much because, you know, that damn wood won't burn right. Anyway, there's, you know, so eyes are burning and we're coughing and so throw the flap and flap open on the tent and we're not getting any sleep anyway because the tent's just rattling and banging because winds just will not oh. stop. So so we got the door open and it is cold, cold as hell outside. Trying to get that <laughs> smoke out of there. So finally we get enough we get the smoke out. Meanwhile, our guides are over here, they're oblivious to all this. All right. So we get enough smoke out of the room. All right, all right. We can go back to bed. So we shut the tent flap. We open the stove. I open the stove a little bit more this time. Puts more wood in it, so it's getting it warm. Okay. Go back to sleep. Trying to sleep. Kind of fitful. Another two hours or so go by, and all of a sudden, it's like Dan's just like, uh, "Wake up! Wake up! What? It is a hundred degrees inside this tent. All right. And we there's smoke again. Not as bad. We look. Okay, where the the stove is sitting on top of a piece of plywood, the plywood is on fire. So the first thing we're thinking is the bottom of the stove is melted or something. So we're frantic now. We got a fire inside our tent. So again, the <laughs> flaps. We're running around in our BBEs. We run down. We don't. You know what we get? We run down to the cook tent. We grab bottles of water. We're grabbing these bottles uh -huh. of water as soon as we can. Both of us about naked. Run back. We're throwing these bottles of water on the stove and on the on the uh, wood that's on fire. Finally, we get the we get all, all this put out. We're about to freeze to death, you know. Two guides never they never stirred, never heard any of this. <laughs> did they did they have so, a CPAP uh, machine? <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't, yeah. So anyway, uh, that was the night I almost sat down on fire, and he still teases me about that. So first. First, almost asphyxiating with the smoke, and then uh, then we start a fire in the tent and almost catch him on fire. Well, you know, sometimes Dan gets that faraway look in his eyes, and I wonder if those are flashbacks. That could be. Could be. But I can remember us both running around in 20-plus degree weather out there, nothing but our underwear, grabbing freezing-ass cold bottles of water, running back to the tent. And throw, you know, <laughs> a little 20-ounce or 60-ounce bottle of water does not do a lot for a fire. Nope. You, not going to help you at all. Not, not 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 really not really well. So, but well, we awesome. managed to, we live we managed to live and tell the tale. So. That's right. <laughs> you got any uh, compadres from the UBM going with you this year? Or are you just going so? Um, guy used to work with a guy named John Henning. Uh, he used to be a member of UBM when he lived here in Missouri. He lives in Kentucky now. Okay, but he's been he went with me uh to Kodiak. 
Um, he went with me on the caribou hunt. Mm. Um, we hunted Miriam's in uh, Nebraska together. So okay. He and I've been we've hunted quite a bit together. So. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know the drill. We'll have to try to get exclusives on that or something. You know. When you <laughs> yeah. Come back. Of course, you're. You know, you'll probably be on the stick boys and the knob. Yeah. Well, maybe that'd be cool if you would be. So. Um, but uh, anyway, thanks, Darren, for taking the time. Ain't no problem, buddy. It's always fun. It is. So you gonna be up at the rendezvous? Sure. I'll be there uh Saturday. I probably won't be up Friday night, but I'll be up Saturday morning. Same here. Yep. Eat and all that good stuff. So yeah. Well, I was never president or much for very long, but I will say it's kind of feels wrong, but you realize I don't have to be here the whole time. <laughs> and it's that's like... a good feeling, isn't it? <laughs> I remember yeah. I remember when uh when both Brian and I finally got to we got to shed the uh, shackles and it was like boy yeah if i want to leave right now i can and there's not anything anybody can say you know yep yeah i did it it wasn't and it wasn't i wasn't upset it wasn't anything personal yeah. but it was at the yeah. at the festival this year i was so tired i'd had a long week and we had a great keynote speaker with bryce olson and we were getting ready to do the auction and i would love would have loved to but i looked and i went i realized i don't have to be here right now <laughs> and i'm tired so i went home so uh anyway i think I bryce and his wife are going to be at the rendezvous i heard that so uh we may try to get a hold of them see if they'll talk to us on on uh yeah on all this. So, yeah so maybe uh so you're gonna have to you're gonna do a shooting demo this year right shoot uh aspirin out of the air and oh yeah, yeah. with your I mean, new uh as long as they have aspirins like the size of truck tires maybe uh... <laughs> i think i'm gonna try to bring one bow this time just stick to one bow and quit you know shooting all the different ones yeah we'll see how that goes anyway so all right darren well thank you for your time man all right take care buddy yep have a good night